Good afternoon, fellow Gooners. Welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm yours morning, my cousin, as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Lots to discuss. But first, let's go to the Emirates as we take on Fulham. Yeah, I mean, a big game at the Emirates. It was also, you know, Leno's uh, first match. Not necessarily second match since his transfer to to Fulham. Um, I think uh, with this whole thing with, with the match, we, I think everybody came already with that sort of heated warning with Mitrovic coming into those games. Yeah. He was already flying, even in the opening game of theirs against Liverpool. Already. So, I mean, we already knew what sort of game to expect. But, I mean, the game kicks off. Um, Arsenal ended up getting an early chance with Martin Odegaard and, and Jesus. But, I mean, uh, Xhaka ends up, uh, you know, fails to hit the target. Um, but that being said, I felt in the first half, look, there wasn't too many things happening in the first half. Yeah. But the thing was, I think we were also a bit too wasteful at times. Yes. Thing, it was kind of frustrating because, especially at that Facebook Facebook uh, group I belong to, I was also saying, I just hope this don't come to, you know, bite us on the backside because every time we all that kind of toying with the opposition. Look, don't get me wrong. I like when we dominate the team. But, I mean, have some goals in the bank before you want to do... You know, the little flicks or tricks or whatever. Just get... Because for me, it's almost like, go for the sort of blitz attack first. Get what you can out of it, like, you know, with the amount of goals in it. And then you can kind of take your foot off the gas. But I think we almost like toyed too much with our position. At some point, it was almost like feeling like... I mean, I don't know how you saw it, but it felt like we were almost like trying to walk the ball into the net. Yeah, I know. You were throwing those extra touches, extra passes. You know, sometimes someone just needs to take responsibility. And when you're playing at that tempo and that intensity, you, you need to make, like you said, your, your opportunities count because, you know, sometimes you can run yourself down and, and then the opposition takes advantage of it. So, you know, but that being said, you know, Fulham also made it really difficult for us to break it yeah. down. It, 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 it wasn't easy. And I think when I saw Thomas Party's name not on the team sheet, I know I kind of worried a bit. Yeah. And I think what what was also getting uh, kind of annoying me, but I mean this comes with the territory as well. But it's like when we were attacking in midfield, they would like show like you know, they would have an actual midfield five. And then uh, it's like the minute we try to, you know, we somehow surpass that in the midfield and we get to the box and that five have already dropped into the into the box as well with the defenders plus the attacking players like Mitrovic would would also be in there. And then, I mean, at the end, you have to almost like weave your way through a field of like uh, 11 Fulham people in that box. Let, let's face it, you know, Fulham are no slouches. I think this, this time back in the league, I think when they've come back, they've normally been the whooping boys, but it seems that they've made themselves very difficult to beat. And I think, you know, that I think the, the game that Arsenal played, I think they took their chances early. And they've, and they've made their position count and their domination count. In this instance, we weren't doing that. We were actually, you know, allowing Fulham to get back and back into the game. And, and they were frustrating us. And, I mean, you knew already, like, I mean, the, as we know, switch our attention out of the second half. Look, Marcus Silva is not a, a stupid coach. I mean, he knows. I mean, we saw how he was coaching back in the day at Everton. And, I mean, like, you could see he was already kind of pinpointing where our vulnerabilities are. That. And, I mean, we come second half, they almost like they start dominating the first easily 10 minutes of that second half. Yeah, I know it was getting worrying because you could see, like, they were getting a foothold in the game. You know, they were just dominating us. And, uh, and Arsenal, 
at that point, like, you know, for me, we're struggling almost with ideas of yeah. how we can break the side down. They were trying extravagant, like you said, you know, the flicks and tricks leave that for when you um, when you are ahead. But I mean, also we were trying extravagant balls from the back. Yes, 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 that's true. Because I mean, I remember also there were a few uh, passes that um, Xhaka was doing that he was normally having success with in the first two two games of the season, and it was uh, you know it kept on getting intercepted by by Fulham. Yeah, and then it wasn't for like you know it wasn't going to be long before Fulham actually capitalised because we were we were allowing it and like you and like you mentioned in the start of this um, episode that you know with Mitrovic being on form you know he didn't need much. Yeah, and then of course you know the inevitable thing happened. Sixty fourth minute, uh, sorry, fifty sixth minute. Uh, Saka ends up you know instead of having a, you know just leathering the ball up the field. He tries to play a tries to play a cross field pass across the box. Gabriel collects the ball, and I think again a simple pass was a, a, on the left hand side with the outlet being Tierney. He opts to not like he opts not to do that. He tries to do almost like a sort of Kreif turn, or I don't know what sort of movie was trying. Mitrovic dispossesses him and just side foots past Ramsdale, one all Fulham. Oh, it was you know quite frustrating and the silly goal to go and see. Then you know I'm getting a bit annoyed. You know, got hitting our third goal in our second game at the Emirates, and you, you, you started. You know, I didn't panic to be honest. Yeah, to be yeah. honest I didn't panic, but it was a kind of like, you know, are you serious? You know, like, are we going to get the goal? Because at that point, you know, we never really looked like we were opening um, Fulham up, and I think that kind of sparked him into life. Yeah. Then eight minutes later, fantastic work by Saka on the uh, right flank. He ends up playing in Odegaard, and I mean, for me. You know, almost like a, a millisecond worth of magic by Odegaard, who almost like it's a body runs across, uh, run across his body, like after he does like a step over, and almost like just tees him up to smash the ball. You know, it, of course, deflected and ends up going past Leno 1 1. Yeah, it seems like Odegaard took uh, uh, constructive criticism quite personally, you know, scoring three goals in two games. But, you know, at that point, I think it kind of lit the stadium up. Um, yeah, yeah. Arsenal were then. Um, Kind of dominating and searching for that, that 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 winning goal, but you know Leno was also pulling him off some good saves yeah. as well. But I mean, for me, like as I said, that that little bit of magic that Odegaard brought in his game, just because like I thought he was gonna just let it run across his body and shoot or, or take it yeah. on a few touches, but I mean, just for him to love do that step over, I think just that step over alone already took almost like two guys out of the equation, like that were kind of ball watching. And I mean, by the time he didn't tease himself up, I mean, the, the Fulham defence kind of looked into Surrey. Yeah, no, it does. It's hard. And I found that Arsenal were just going to push for that winning goal. But, you know, Fulham also was always going to be happy to take a point at the Emirates, you know. So uh, they, they started playing with frustrating tactics, trying to waste time. Yeah. And, you know, even Leno, sometimes when he collected the ball, would just pull to the ground. And I would think, you bastard. But I mean, look, they also had one big chance, 66 minute, where Mitrovic ends up, you know, darting ahead of our defense with a bullet header. But I mean, Ramsdale pulls off a fantastic save. Uh, then there was also a point, I think, you know, as we now approach the, the 84th minute, Leno again comes to snuff the ball off um, Martinelli's foot, which could have made it now 2 1. And then, I mean, within a minute, uh, you know, Gabriel ends up. From the eventual corner, the ball ends up. I think Leno totally makes a shambles of the the cross, 
the ball was like it bounces off Saliba's back or shoulder or something like that, and it drops to uh, Gabriel, who just smashes in from about three yards to one Arsenal. And you could see what that goal meant. I mean, I know they did a VAR check first, but you could see what the goal meant to to Arsenal, just the, the manner yeah. in which they celebrated. I mean, Zinchenko, you know, wasn't even on the bench, but you saw him celebrating with the team. So yeah. you can see he's also, you know, embedded in the squad. And like you said, you know, 2-1 Arsenal. And, you know, I'm sure, I don't know how you felt. I started biting my nails and wanting that Look, full-time whistle to come. The thing is that, that there was one moment, you know, from, from being villain to hero, Gabriel, I don't know if many took note of it, but he almost became villain again because in the 89th minute when uh, Fulham had a, a freaky, you know, deep in, in the Arsenal half, uh, when, when the ball gets flung in into the box, uh, uh, Gabriel actually lets Chaloba get ahead of him. And I mean, that is like a, one of the biggest sins to make as a, as a central defender when you, you know, you let your opponent get goal side of you. And I mean, I think he ends up just, I don't know if he ends up shinning the ball over the bar or something like that. Or Ramsdale had to pull off a save. But I mean, for me, some of his focus seems like, I don't know, uh, it's like a light switch that goes on, goes off, or goes on, goes off. Yeah, I know. So for me, Saliba seems a bit more composed and switched on than, than, than Gabriel. So you wonder what happens now. Um, I know you can't fault the guy who scored yeah. the winning goal, but is there going to be a point where they're going to decide, okay, um, you know, Saliba needs to, to to play with with a pen white for a bit or something like yeah. that? But what I what I don't get is like, look, you know, you you we love like you know the old squad and it, but there's almost like moments where you actually do worry about the concentration levels of, of say somebody like Gabriel because if you think even last if you think back to last season uh, that the game against Wolves where it was also a simple thing where you get yeah. you know caught on the ball and and it leads to a goal and and I think that is where look it's all good and well if we give the the, the players you know all the plaudits and I mean they deserve it but I mean I think also Arsenal fans should also be, also be uh, rational enough to. Also criticize when you see faults like like that, especially when it's that glaring. Yeah, no, that, that it could have been a different story, you know, if 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 Chalba had to score and make yeah. it yeah. two two all. I mean, you know that 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 um, I was that positive atmosphere around the crowd, club, you know, kind of sinks in because you're like minutes away from um, a victory and you kind of say same old, same old Arsenal, but yeah, it, yeah, yeah, because I mean, uh, it's still that it's sort of. Uh, there's something you and I've always moaned about, and it's that, that sort of lapse of concentration after we've scored a goal. I mean, I didn't expect it to yeah. come like, uh, you know, that that soon, but it's like that is the sort of thing where you need to almost like shut up shop and then, you know, see that thing out. But if you're going to keep on giving chances like that, you're not always going to play a, a full you're going to play maybe a team that's more, way more clinical. Yeah, 100% agree with you. And I think. Maybe this is a learning curve for Arsenal because, I mean, you know, this is something that you need to iron out because you give that opportunity to an Erling Haaland or something like that. He smashes it, he pays it, and you're looking around and it's 2-2 in a game that you could have had three points. Yeah. So, we move our attention now to the midweek game, Arsenal versus Aston Villa. Um, injuries also took its toll now on Arsenal. Um, you know, with, with uh, regards to the, the Fulham game, we also heard they were... Quite a few, or you know, that came off quite badly from the game because at first it was just a niggle that El Nini had, and then they end up finding out that he had some sort of, I'm not sure if it's a hamstring, uh, pull or tear. And now all of a sudden we've now heard, you know, with the course of the day also, 
that he's actually having to see a specialist and also now at a, at a point now where we probably gonna have, have him on a sort of month or so long layoff could be even longer uh. but uh, you know, for a second to go into the match, especially when we're on such a high right now. Um, Lokonga then came in, and I mean, as you know, with a holding mid position in mind. So, I mean, it was actually interesting to see that because I personally I thought it would be Granit Xhaka, but I, I don't think Arteta really wanted to tinker with that side of the game. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I think Xhaka is, is some, for some reason, you know, becoming a kind of a a fan favorite in its own right to the hard work he's putting in and the, the, the kind of the new advanced role. Yeah. Um, I think it's also important that Lukonga took his took his opportunity because yeah. you know he never filled me with confidence, like you know, seeing his name on the team sheet, not because of anything, but I think because of all, all his um, experiences that I've, that I've witnessed him of late, you know, in the in the Premier League of last season where he got caught in the ball way yeah. too much. Then, um, also, like, you know, onto the match now. Um, in the fourth minute against the runoff play, Bailey and Ramsey, you know, open up space for Buendia. I mean, he ends up firing over the bar. But, I mean, Arsenal seemingly, I mean, even though we, we uh, you know, did a high press from early on in the game, that wasn't like a, a, a quite a surprise attack from the Aston Villa team that's actually struggling right now. Yeah, no, I think Arsenal was quite dominating this game. We started off with this intensity yeah. and I was just waiting for a goal to come. Like, uh, I, I, the, the, the manner in which they were playing, the, the intensity, the way they were closing Aston Villa, the way they were winning and fighting for every second or every ball, basically. I was telling myself a goal must come, but I was also worried that, you know, we don't score because, you know, uh, we, were, we were also missing chances. Yeah. Then seventh minute, uh, Bukayo Saka bursts into the Villa box. And, you know, he's almost like holding off Tyron Mings. And then all of a sudden, he's Tyron Mings just, you know, picks <laughs> uh, Saka up under the armpits and just tosses him aside. And, uh, you know, uh, no penalty is given even after VAR. Yeah, I, I thought this would have been a penalty for that, to be honest. You know, our, to be, when that happened, I was thinking yeah. to myself, just kick the ball out of play. Surely this is going to be a penalty. Because they were also pulling on his jersey as he was getting into the box. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, yeah. There was a tag. I mean, if he had to go down, I mean, Bernardo Silva went down for less and that was a penalty. And I mean, he's not even making an attempt to get the ball. That is the thing. And that is how I don't understand how you have this state-of-the-art technology and they can't make a decision right here and then. And I mean, not not only that. I mean, I think with this one of these newbie refs that were coming in, this guy was also making decisions quite weird in general. But I mean, that, that was a... Stonewall penalty. I I also, I also think so, and you know it's, it's it's so frustrating because like at least give the ref a chance to look at the at the at the at the screen mm. because let him make a decision of his own. I mean, uh, like you said, for me a stonewall pen if you're on the go from when you were stuck to the box too tight on wings, how we challenged him. But you know, I guess that's the consistency of the Premier League refs. Yeah. Then 10th minute, Aston Villa, you know, getting very physical in the 50-50 scraps. Um, at times, it seems, you know, the ref was only being overwhelmed with the sort of tackling going in, especially coming from the Villa side. Not that I want to make too much excuses for Arsenal, but I mean, I can understand you're going to go, you know, for a good scrap. But I mean, if you're getting guys, every I mean, I don't know if this is what Gerard has trained him to do, but it's like every time we were laying off a pass, 
So one of these the guys who come in either to stomp on the foot of the Arsenal player or, you know, just clip the heel or something like that. So, which I find, you know, way very unsporting. I mean, I, I don't mind, as I said, a good scrap, but then do it within the laws of the game. Yeah, no, it is. I, I, I was expecting they have to give the to Dishad the yellow card sooner because he was actually not, not um, he was losing the game for me a bit. Yeah, because I mean, if you think that, that early yellow that we got, I forgot who it was from, but it was the Aston Villa players who were breaking from their own box and one of our guys ended up tripping one of them and the ref gives a yellow for that and yet we attacking in the Aston Villa off and then they taking us out and they don't even get really a real talking to. Yeah, I know. It, it's very inconsistent and I think they, I think there could have been a, a, a red card somewhere along the line that should, could have happened because of... Two, two yellows and two cynical fouls. I think Jacob Ramsey escaped quite luckily. But you also Kamara. Yeah, Kamara as well. Kamara as well, definitely. Then 12 minute Arsenal, you know, up in the pressure again. Gabriel ends up forcing. Martin is into a save. Then 16 minute, you know, total goal mouth scramble in the Villa box. I mean, I don't know how we didn't get the ball into the net because sure. he ends up shooting. Martin makes a save, but um, fumbles the ball. Odegaard comes in, he fires again, gets blocked by Collins and the ball comes out again. This time Mings ends up blocking the ball. And I mean, I still don't get my head around how we could not have you know, stuck that in. Yeah, I know. And speaking about not being able to stick it in as well, um, the 23rd minute when, when, when Bakayo Sako missed a glaring oh. opportunity with open goals. I mean, Martinelli just plays the ball into him. I mean, all, he'll, all he needs to do is just... You know, guide the ball into the back of the net, yeah. but he ends up putting it into the sky. You know, this is what I don't get sometimes of players. I mean, not just us. I mean, I've seen it in other Premier League games also. When you have those sort of easy chances, you know, just keep it basic. But it's like they want to do that, you know, when you sometimes have, like, I mean, like my youngest son who's uh, 11. When they when I watch them play, you know, they want to score the spectaculars and they almost like half throw themselves down on the ground to... You know, to score. And I think it was more difficult the way he ended up making, you know, adjusting his body instead of just getting over. And I mean, I think just making a, a, like a flat, soft foot, a little just bundled into the net. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I can think of is on his weaker foot. So, you know, that's the only bit of, of, of uh, excuse I can maybe give to him. But I mean, a player of that quality, you know, should be putting that goal away. And I mean, you know, it's, I'm not disrespect to Aston Villa, but if it's against a Liverpool or a Man City or, or or ever, and you and you miss an opportunity like that, you know that kind of gives you that motivation to to step up the game. Yeah. Then 30th minute, uh, Xhaka whips in a cross into uh, the box, the Villa box. Uh, the ball ends up, I think, just deflecting off. I think it was Konza. Martin is then forced into a save, but he ends up also fumbling the ball. The ball ends up spilling out. And I mean, Jesus is there to, you know, scramble in the rebound, one or Arsenal. And like, just something you mentioned to me about, you know, I think it was a severe game when I was there where you are watching it. And when you see, like, you know, that Jesus has that, he's a bit more alert than the rest of the Arsenal players because maybe yeah. we wouldn't have scored that last season. But, you know, Jesus, the moment you see that, that rebound, his body changes and he's at the ball already and he composes himself and finishes it. Quite well, and like you said, one to Arsenal and, you know, deserved. But you felt that there was more goals. Like, it was yeah. game where you were watching and saying, you know, how much more are we going to score? Because we were playing a good game of football. Yeah. 
Because I mean, one thing about Jesus that almost kind of opens our mind up to a lot of things. I mean, I think the last sort of poaching of that level was probably Eduardo in his prime at Arsenal. Yeah. Or even, I mean, sometimes like, look, Van Persie was somebody that was always like, you know, smashing balls in it. But just, I'm talking of, of somebody that can do a six yard finish in it. We didn't have too many. I mean, look, Andre, we knew, Ian Wright, we knew like that. But I think we was actually bringing you back to the, or it was like a throwback to the olden days now to see what's the finishing he is capable of. I mean, like a few weeks ago, he was doing like a burka based uh, type finish. Yeah. And now he's doing like almost like a bits and pieces type uh, finish. Yeah, I hundred percent you took you took another fight with that bits and pieces. I think you're being right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um then I mean like even the one up as uh, you fully like, I fully agree with you because I, th- I still couldn't get over my head now uh, that we were only one all up at the time. Then forty fourth minute, just before half time, uh, Matty Cash clears the ball off the line from a uh uh Saka shot. And uh, another scramble there on the um, on the goal line, Jesus ends up teeing up. Tierney, and I mean, you shoot straight at Martinez, but I mean, I'm lucky not to go into the break. 2 no up. Yeah, it was, it was kind of unlucky, and the saves the keeper were make, was making, it was a, it was quite, you know, on another day, you could have seen yourself 2, 3, 4 no up at half time, and, and also, like you mentioned, you need to make this advantage count. I mean, when you're on top of a team like this, you can't literally, you need to kind of, you know, put 2, 3 in, yeah. and then, you know, then you can... Um, knock the ball around, but but the thing is, because of the intensity you're playing at, you as 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 the footballers are also going to tire at some point and allow Aston Villa some opportunities. It's natural, but you know you gotta make your chances count. And second half, you know, I was just hoping we would get the second goal sooner rather than later. Second half for me started very frustrating, like the first like two three minutes because immediately Villa spring out of the traps. We kind of look so like we're in the dressing room. Saliba ends up picking up a needless yellow, yellow card. I mean, he ends up just like, I mean, like rugby tap, tackling Watkins to the ground, which I found totally unnecessary. And it's moments like that that kind of gets my blood boiling a bit. Because, I mean, it's already... Look, I'm somebody I like when a player, you know, uses his upper body strength or actually complete body strength to, to outmuscle somebody. But when you start handling people like that where you off getting you know the hands around the waist or around yeah. the shoulders and that I hate that. I mean defender that does that I hate it because for me it's not like all your hard work to try to scrap and win the ball back and then you're losing the ball for cheap again. That was infuriating. Then fifty fifth minute uh Martinez ends up palming away at Odegaard free kick. I mean I really thought it was gonna go in but I think from the one angle it actually shows it was drifting a bit wide. Yeah, but but Martin is always loves playing a game against us. So he's he kind of wants to show us what 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 we're missing. Well, what not what we're missing, but I'm mean, know what we've missed or what we gave up. Yeah. Then 65th minute, Arsenal make a, a, a substitution. Tommy Asu comes on for Ben White. I think he almost like you know fatigue was also catching up to him, but because I mean I think he was also starting to get overrun on that one flank. Yeah. Then 72nd minute, <clears throat> by, uh, Bailey <clears throat> burst down the right flank. Cuts inside and forces Ramsdale into a save. And I mean, more and more, as a Villa words on the worry me because <clears throat> I, I don't know. Look, how can I now explain it without, you know, like offending anybody? But I mean, look, it's our podcast. I mean, we talk our opinion. But I mean, for me, what I was noticing from that 60th minute, Arsenal were becoming less and less influential in midfield. Yeah. 
because Odegaard, I mean, you could see he looked already naked because, you know, in, in, in the our actual team's defense, what I'm going to now say is, with a sort of tempo also played in that first half, I think what, what they ended up getting out just at one goal yeah. wasn't enough. Because I think if you put that much exertion on, you know, conditioning, stamina, etc., you, you can expect the, the sort of, you know, that you're not going to get that sort of uh, sort of performance in that, that second half, especially like the, the first, say, 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's where I could see that one goal was not enough because you could see they were tiring, like Odegaard was getting <clears throat> out-muscled. And, and I, look, I, as I said again, I don't understand sometimes when people, they almost like want to take it the wrong way or whatever. But for me, when I heard, look, Odegaard was totally influential first half. But second half... What I was noticing, he was bailing out of, of tackles because it was one way the ball was actually coming to him and he ended up backing away from the ball and it got intercepted, which is dangerous. Then Saka started getting also <clears throat> less influential on the in the game. I mean, I know eventually we'll still get to it, but it becomes influential again. But there was for long periods, he was not doing much because he was not really breaking the lines down on that flank and he was almost like getting... Overpowered on that, that uh, on the back from the uh, Aston Villa left back, which was, uh, and I mean, Dinia is not the youngest flower, you know, he, he's, you know, well mature, and, and I mean, he knew exactly how to play uh, Saka because Saka was like, every time I was thinking, take him on, and every time Saka was taking him on, Dinia somehow ended up always keeping toe to toe pace with him, and he could never really get around him. And, I, and and this is what was we was, was like getting also annoyed with with Arteta at the time because I'm thinking look you've got five subs to use okay use the yeah. one Tom, yes. yes but we are getting overrun like you need to do something to help us out in midfield because Odegaard was just I'm like walking wounded at one point and we're just not really getting into things. Hundred percent agree with you. I think that five five subs you know you and I spoke about you know could be to our advantage because we have. You know, like like some Fabio Vieira, Emil Smith Rowe. You know, we have players yeah. that can slot in and give them opportunity, give them minutes. Yeah. Give yeah. them fresh legs instead of being reactive, be proactive, get some fresh legs to run on against them. But my biggest concern, and we'll probably also get to it in the talking points, is the fact that, you know, Martinelli and and Saka provide so much pace and, and trickery on the wing. If one of them gets injured, then what? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, look, I, <clears throat> that, that is why I'm always somebody that, that um, you know, when you want to make a sub, do it like the hour mark or, or 70 minute mark, but you give at least you, you're giving over duration. Like, like say, look, he was keeping the same squad for a lot of games, Arteta. But I mean, he, he, he like, for me, when you make a sub at, at 88 minutes and then you want to bring on this or that, what does that give that player also? Because you can't expect them just to go like, you know, they click and we're going to go and do it. Yeah. We, it's also like you also have to feel your way because, look, all, all teams will also play differently. So it's not like everybody's just going to be an open, you know, like an open book that you can now read. Some teams are going to just shut up shop or whatever. Or even if it's like 1-0, they're going to try to not lose by anything more than that. And you can see Aston Villa were playing a game like that, but also looking for counters. And then, I mean, look what, 74th minute, which, which is something which I find actually weird because you don't normally see... An attacking team, <clears throat> I mean, sometimes even a defending team, whether making a sub in a corner, just about before a corner is taken, because Villa ended up bringing on Douglas Costa. I forgot who the other player was. And, I mean, from the corner, it gets slung in immediately. 
Ramsdale, <coughs> I first thought it was obstructed and that, but I mean, players, of course, backing into him, but I mean, Ramsdale, it's a ball go totally over his head. And Villa go, you know, to make it 1-1. But that being said, if you take note, Tom Yassi should also get the blame because he should have actually, that is probably from, you know, just coming on in a way, he should have been marking at that post because Ben White is normally standing on that post. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I feel so there's some interference in, in the play because yeah. of, of, of how they were standing in front of, of, of Rams. And I was looking, you know, were there any Arsenal players there that was in front or in line with, with that player that was on the line? Because there's other reserve obstruction. I thought the goal would be disallowed, yeah. but, you know, like I, I said... They're both holding each other, I believe. Like, you know, because Ramsdale got almost like his arms under the player's armpits and that other player also has his arms behind Ramsdale's back. So I think it's like, you know, a mutual, you know, kind of gripping or holding each other. But I, I just think that if, if since Tommy is so tall, I think if he's on that, that near post, I think he ends up just hitting the ball away. Yeah, the so frustrating and you kind of asking yourself, you know, can we come back? Because we, at that point, like you said, Arsenal looked very fatigued. Like they had played themselves into the ground, but there was no, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, reward yeah. besides that one goal. And now it's 1-1 and you, you know, Aston Villa starts, um, you know, realizing, hang on, we can get a point yeah. here. And it's not our worst start ever. Like they've had quite a bad start. But like the like the, the Arsenal crowd, you know, unlike other times, starts again, you know, chanting and starts becoming, you know, really lively. Whereas before, you probably never had groans and moans and boos going on. So, you know, big up to the crowd as well. Yeah. The 77 minute soccer collects the ball from Tomiyasu. He ends up, you know, seeing Martinelli in, into space. He ends up just lofting the ball over to the far post. And I mean, uh, Martinelli does the rest. Volume home past Martinez 2-1 Arsenal. Yeah, Martinez really seems to be loving finding the back of the net this season. He has a bit more of composure to him. I mean, I know there was sometimes where he should have passed and he went alone or he, you know, tried a shot instead. But, you know, it, I, I love his effort and I love his work rate at the moment. Oh, yeah, Aiden, what did you think of that, that shot of Wies in the 11th minute that oh. touched the ball? When Martinez goes like full stretch, and I mean, you can see it's going top bins. And I mean, Martinez oh. fantastic save. Uh, I just showed you how this play is coming in and deep yeah. about. I think, I think if, he, if those things are going to happen more, I think if his confidence goes up as well and that belief, you know, yeah. we could yeah. have a play on our hands. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Jürgen <laughs> Klopp is always a big fan of his. Yeah. Um, then, in the first minute, uh, Smith Rowe ends up coming on for Odegaard. But I think Odegaard only is then coming off because. Took a heavy challenge, and I mean, for me again, unnecessary. If he was subbed, I mean, of course, it was a, a you know quite a, a violent challenge from the Villa player. But I, I mean, you could, as I said, from the 65th, 65th minute, you could see he was tired. So it's not like he's not that reactionary, uh, you know, movement of his wasn't the fastest when that guy's tackle was coming flying in. And that's why I think that's the responsibility yeah. as well. That did Odegaard have to still be on for so yeah. long? I understand he's the captain, but I mean, you know, there, there are other players there. I mean, hopefully, I thought maybe Fabio Vieira would get an opportunity, but I guess you know, the game was a bit too heated for that at, at, at 2 1. I mean, there was a big body also at the second minute when Ramsdale went down. Oh, yeah. Because I first thought it was, you know, the way he was going on with his leg, I thought it was a, a hamstring or something. Yeah. But- 
you know, after the first year treated him, I mean, and then he took his first uh, goal kick after that. His leg actually looked quite fine. Um, then 88th minute, Holding and Ketia came on for Saka and Jesus, respectively. Uh, you know, 90th minute Arsenal, you know, held possession more in the Villa half, which was quite good. And I mean, that they almost like just saw the match out in that half. And I mean, three points to Arsenal, five wins out of five. Yeah, I think Ketia should have... You know, the guys should have done better in his little cameo. Not better. I know people are also, you know, complimenting and saying he had a very good game when he came on. But his decision-making at times was, you know, instead of playing in, he tries to, you know, leather the ball and he kicks it into, into the crowd. I mean, it offers left and right to you. But it's like, you know, when you watch that, that awesome documentary as well, you can see, you know, the guy's angry and he wants to, to score. But it's like... He's trying to do too much in a short space of time. I mean, just be patient, just go with the plan. But, you know, that's my biggest worry when we get our talking points. But we'll get there. I mean, yeah. you know, now we go on to, to play a resurgent Man United side at Old Trafford now. With, you know, even though Arsenal are the, are the, the informed team that are with points, you know, the bookies are still favouring United to, yeah. To, yeah. to win the game. I mean, look, my point is that I put down here was, I mean, for me, it's also a fixture where we always go into this match, you know, looking good. United always looking wobbly, like yeah. those parts. And then, I mean, they always come out on top. So, I mean, for me, this should be a game where <clears throat> we go in, like, you know, really focus and also see to it that, you, you know, especially at a game like this, where you actually now put him to, to the sword quite early. Like, you know, the, a, a bit like we did against Bournemouth, when you need to come out like that against the wayside, you don't really give them even time to get out of their own half. You just plug them in there at the back because I still think that United haven't really been, you know, worked. Because I think for me, Southampton didn't have that sort of cutting edge to take them on. Liverpool looked almost like half choked up at the moment, which I find weird. But I mean, I look, I look, they had like eight or nine injuries. But, but still, I mean, I expected a better sort of performance by Liverpool against. Uh, United, and then uh, with the, almost like the games that United have been playing, like Leicester City, then the Thursday where Leicester looked almost like toothless, and I mean you can see the reason them being not not that I'm trying to give Leicester any credit because look they were also quite bad when they played us defensively because every time we would score, um, they would score, we would score within a few minutes. But I, I just think this will now also be a good test for our United have now. You know, kind of recovered the, the the bad start of the season, and also to see how we if we can just keep on building that momentum. Yeah, I think it's a it's a very important game for us as Arsenal, you know, and Arsenal fans because you know even if you walk away with a point, I'm not saying yeah. you should take a point, but even if you walk away with a point, it's some progress. I mean, because you are unbeaten, you keep a point. Old Trafford, you know, Liverpool got beaten here. And, you know, let's face it, you know, United aren't all those slides. Yes, yes, you can get the odd result against them at home. But, yeah. I mean, Arsenal in particular don't really do it. And it, it could also lead to a whole spin of events. You know, you lose to, to United, you know, they beat United, United on the up. And suddenly, you know, September starts off not as great for Arsenal. Um yeah. You know, you, 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 I know we will get there still, but you have other fixtures coming in. You know, you're playing like a Everton, Brentford, um, you know, Spurs, yeah. uh, City as well, or is it Liverpool that we play? October is that, it was like the, like the terrible month that was coming up. I think 
with the teams in between us, like what you mentioned at the start, that we will still now face, like, you know, the ever likes of Everton and Brentford. So it's important to get the, to, like, you know, not let be over, like you said, overwhelmed in the moment and and take it to the likes of, of um, United. Because if if we walk away with the three points, yeah, you know, I think us as Gooners will, will, will be like, you know, this is this is progress because yeah, they are there for the taking. And I think if we want to be taken seriously, we're gonna to have to go to Old Trafford. I mean, minimum a draw, but if we can go beat them, you know, people maybe start being okay, you know, maybe these guys are the real deal this season. Yeah. I'm not saying to win the Champions League, but suddenly you lose here, you lose two or three other games in that big month, and you win a top four scrap again. Yeah. I mean, like my take with the game is you know, midfield is going to be where the main battle is. Because, I mean, it's going to be won or lost there. Because uh, I just think to myself, look, at the moment, I, I, look, I don't know if they're going to, like, say, risk somebody like Casemiro for this game. And look, we all know uh, somebody like McTominay is very aggressive. Uh, that Bernardo, uh, Bernardo, uh, that, that uh, what's his name, Fernando, Bruno Fernandes is quite also, you know, like, uh, you know, putting his boot in. So I just think, if we can win that scrap there, we've got over enough firepower in that whole team now to, you know, really take the game to United. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I think if if we can get on top of them, I think our midfield is a bit more dynamic than theirs. If we can yeah. get the better of the midfield and make our chances count, most importantly, make our chances count, we could, you know, demoralise a, a Man United side who, you know, haven't been conceding much now for the past um, few games. Look, um, I think it's very, you know, being cagey about the duration of the injuries of the players or like the real extent of, of injuries. But my take is just, I wonder if he's not playing a bit of possum with the old Zinchenko thing. Because, look, there's certain aspects where, look, Zinchenko wasn't even in the squad at all against Aston Villa. And yet there has been pictures of him, like, you know, training and, and you know, getting himself in, in check again. And I just wonder if he's going to be able to, like our secret weapon for the for the game at Old Trafford. I mean, of course, I'm not saying it like with whatever I've heard on the net or whatever, but I just have a feeling because look, you also want to keep your opponent somehow guessing about yeah. you know, what what sort of you your you, your cards close to your chest. And because I just think if, if we like if we have Tierney playing, I think it's more on like traditional way that that United will attack us. But I yeah. think what that Zinchenko coming in at that, that inverted left back position that he's now doing it at, at Arsenal, it could open all kind of worms for Ten Hag then. Yeah, it'll give something new to think about. Yeah. It'll give our players more space as well off the ball. So you know, let's see what happens. But ah, but but nervous. I just hope we don't you know bottle it like we normally do. If season in season out, you know, United may might not be in the best of form, and we high fly, but they still beat us. Yeah. Then uh, we switch our attention now to our Europa League campaign that starts in next Thursday evening. Or well, actually, afternoon is a six o'clock kickoff. Um, FC Zurich versus Arsenal. Not too much that the person know really of them, but I mean, from what I've just seen the last two days, that, you know, FC Zurich right now, they lost in the league. I mean, the league is like 10 teams. And I mean, they did lose. I think they got like plus three goals and uh, goals against 11. Sure. So I think this game would almost like come almost like as an unwelcome distraction for them. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think it was a good good way to, you know, play a guy like Fabio Vieira. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to be interesting to see how we're going to go with our back four since, you know, our back yeah. four hasn't, you know, been um, like, you know, Saliba, Ben White and um, Gabriel all have been playing where you would expect, you know, the one team to play in the Europa League as, yeah. a, as a partner, so who do you rest and who plays? But I guess like, I like Saliba, you know, would probably be angry to play since he's still young and still has that energy in him. But I mean, like my like last point that I have on this matter was, I mean, like for me, it's also a sort of game where Arteta can go, you know, crazy with his squad rotation. And yeah. You can give people now, you know, way more game time for the match and have also like a, a super strong bench that you can call upon. But I mean, I think the the first eleven that we should have, like you know, the of the squad players should be, you know, capable enough of seeing off FC Zurich. I think big games for Smith Rowe, Vieira, and. Yeah. Um, Ketia, I think, you know, to show that they can, you know, fit their way back in the side at some point. Yeah. So now we switch our attention now to the talking point section. Um, first point I wanted to bring up was, um, Aiden, what was your thoughts on the transfer window, like from start to finish? Look, I, I can't complain for the first half of the transfer yeah. window. I think, you know, Jesus, brilliant signing. Zinchenko, brilliant signing. Um, Fabio Vieira, you know, from what I've seen, but you can't judge that. It's, it's, it seems like a positive signing, yeah. but um, you know, they still, um, you know, I still need to prove himself. The Mokinius, I haven't also seen, seen, you know, too much about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Matteno was a done deal for a very long time, but I mean, you know, like I said, also I haven't seen much from him. I'll probably get the glimpse of the opening. So I was happy at that point, right? But you know, they come. They came apart in the season where you realize, you know, we need someone to kind of replace party still. Like in case he picks up a knock, maybe Sakonga can do it. Maybe they see it, but I'm still feeling we need that body in there that could do that job and do it convincingly, and that has the experience to do it. That was point number one, and then I felt that we we needed another attacking option in case a guy like Martinelli or Saka needs to be rested yeah. because. You kind of lose that attack threat on your left and right hand side if you take the one of them out of it. So that unless Arteta is deciding to play maybe with wing backs if one of them is injured, I don't know. But I'm worried about that. And then final point is, you know, a lot of people aren't Ketia fans, and maybe I might be saying the wrong thing, but does he have enough in his tank to deputize for his suits? Because I feel that we need a striker who could give you a plan B. You know, maybe you're going to go to Man City and clog the midfield and play those long balls for a striker who's going to, you know, kind of work a, a John Stones or a Laporte or things like that to just change it up a bit. But we never got that. And, you know, I feel that if Arsenal's not going to work out to the natural game, plan A, you know, how are they going to take a team on with a plan B because they don't have one? So, yeah, that's my thoughts. I would say that a, a 75% good transfer window, happy with everything, but I still think we left ourselves a bit short. <coughs> excuse me. I mean, I thought it was a, a good window. I think, I, <coughs> you know, excuse me. Arsenal, I think the, it also leads me to another point. <coughs> excuse me. That the Arsenal fan base, I think, got a bit too reactionary because I just think to myself, um, look, I, I get. I mean, like, my personal thing was <clears throat> the minute we lost uh, Pepe when he went to Nice, I thought we were going to bring us somebody that's going to come in <clears throat> almost like like for like. But we didn't see it. And 
I think we, we kind of get lost into everything. Like we don't have Fabio Vieira to in like in mind, and even Reese Nelson is also there recovering. I don't know what your take was on that. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about Reese Nelson actually. I actually forgot that the guy was there. I think if he can bring that five note form back, I think maybe I'll get to see something in him and he possibly could could slot in quite nicely on that side. You know, maybe he's that guy that that, that I'm talking about that you can play left or right. So it's, it's important. I think he also takes his opportunities when it comes in the Europa League. But funny enough, excuse <coughs> me, what I heard was, <coughs> damn, I don't know what's going on with my throat, um, that, that um, Maurice Nelson was actually playing to be sold. Oh, okay. <coughs> so, I mean, it's just, I don't know if he picked up a a bad injury in it, and then I don't like everything got set back, because look, we were just trying to ship out Excuse me, from Bellerin to Pepe and all that. So he was also in that sort of pipeline to be sold. So, I mean, <clears throat> maybe it's just to hold out until the January window type of thing. Yeah, but I, I just hope we, I just hope, you know, we have a, a kind of a plan, plans yeah. for, for, for that left and right forward that of somebody who can play there because, I mean, who's your option to go there if if the likes of, you know, Saka and Martinelli needs to be arrested? I mean, for me, the best option for a strike uh, replacement for Jesus should be Martinelli because I think his hunger is there. I think <clears throat> where that's where that brings more like the versatility on the wings where you can use somebody else because <clears throat> I think, look, if you compare the way we went January into that window, like once the window was closed January, we're kind of going into that same thing. So the, the squad is almost like more compact now, which is a hell of a risk. Yeah. And I I mean, I just hope they do, you know, they can like breeze through this area because <clears throat> between now and I think the, the first or second week of November, there's still matches going. Yeah. Then, it, then comes the World Cup. Everybody's going to leave, I think, the yeah, second week of November. And then if you think of it, everybody comes back. Like the first league match again is on... Boxing Day, the 26th of December. And then if you think about, like, what's it, five days down the line, the transfer window opens again for January. So I just wonder if people are using that sort of gap right now, you know, to do then bolster the squad again. I mean, that's just my take. I just wonder if it's going to be, whereas, like, let's say January, weren't even interested in making a January transfer. But I think now you can correct things still for that. Like, you still got a lot of time. Over the space of the, and I mean the other question is also, what do the players do that aren't playing at the World Cup? What do they? What does the club have planned with him? Yeah, uh, that will be quite good. I think the, I know that sounds bad, but the least players we have going to the World Cup, the better for us because I'm sure there are going to be some injuries happening there, some yeah. fatigue, yeah. and if and if and if you know we can keep our group fit, you know who knows what we can achieve. I'm not saying win the Premier League, but you know maybe a good Europa League run, maybe a push the Premier League, you know, where we keep City on their toes because, yeah, at the moment, Erling Haaland just seems to be in a different uh, league at the moment. Yeah, I mean, at times he looks like unplayable, the way teams are. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just an unknown factor that, that people don't know how to play him yet. But I think once they figure it out, you know, then you can take him on. But I think right now, it's like everybody's not too scared to tackle him. They, you know, when he's running at people, because he's like a very direct striker and people are just backing off him or yeah. Opening up, you know, totally the defense line for him. So, yeah, it's going to be just a few months, and I mean, especially starting now tomorrow to see 
how the, the, the plans of the team are, like, you know, who, you, you know, if there's a sort of more exact date when party comes back. And I mean, if somebody like Zinchenko makes a surprise uh, comeback in this game. Yeah, the problem with party is so frustrating. It's like he gives yeah. you four or five games and the team actually clicks and they depend on him. And then you kind of you have to figure out the game how to play without him. I mean, you know, it's just so annoying that like there's always Arsenal's players that end up doing this where they, you know, play good for five games, they're out for seven games, yeah. come back for another four, and then they miss like he's missing a crucial game against United. We yeah. needed him there to dominate the midfield, but it's about it as another player. Yeah. Okay. Uh hopefully, yeah, that's not the last of the talking points. Uh, we're going to end off now. I hope you guys enjoy the match tomorrow. Hope it goes our way. Come on, you gunners. Let's get that three points. <laughs>